Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to, um, to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Um, this is interesting in events, and you know, just to fill in a little bit of detail, just before this particular event unfolded, and the whole boat scene in the in the, in the Sea of Galilee, earlier that that day, this is a twenty, this is like a twenty-four hour period. Jesus had a pretty busy day. Um, uh, John the Baptist that day had been murdered by Herod. Uh, it wasn't a good start to the day when one of your friends is murdered. Jesus. Um, tried to possibly get himself some time to himself to maybe even mourn the death of his friend John the Baptist, but he found that a multitude found him and he ministered to them and he healed the sick. And then he feeds 5,000 people, at least 5,000 men, with five loaves and two fishes. And then he finally sends his disciples away in the boat, in the multitude away, so he could finally have some time to himself to pray and deal with whatever he wanted to talk to his heavenly Father about. And after his prayer time, he finally catches up with the disciples, as I said, at between uh, 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, as he walks to them on the water, a pretty interesting way to catch up with people. And in the midst of that, of course, there was a strong wind blowing and the waves are boisterous, but he manages to get to the disciples in the boat. A lot has happened in one day for Jesus. You think we can have some busy days? I think Jesus had one of those busy days right there. And it didn't finish till early, early morning, did it? So we see friend murdered, sick healed, multitude fed, and a miracle and a lengthy prayer time with his father. And then finally he capped it off with a bit of a walk on the water. And if you were to look at where he walked, he walked approximately four kilometers that night on the water. Because the boat was in the middle of the sea. And if you look at that from where he walked from, from Capernaum, uh, that was a bit of a lengthy walk. So that was a pretty good day. Pretty good day in Jesus. It was a pretty tiring day. And I have to ask myself the question, why did he bother to walk on the water at all? If I was that kind of day, I would have just curled up in a, on a, in a, somewhere and had a rest. But Jesus walked on the water. He could have maybe just um, done exactly that. Uh, you know, the, the next day gone to see the disciples and found a place to sleep. He could have maybe gone around the edge of the Lake of Galilee and, and um, found the disciples on the other side. Maybe he could have translated himself miraculously like Philip did that time from this spot into the boat out in the sea. You know, maybe he could have done that. He is the Son of God. Uh, it would have taken less physical effort, would you agree? And yet we find that he, he walks on the water. And water walking is a bit of a metaphor for life, isn't it? You know, it's talking about a lot of things. When you think you're stepping out of the boat, you're walking on water, it's about building faith, it's about you know, going the extra mile, it's about doing things you've never done before. There's a whole lot of metaphors that you could use for it. But I believe there's something powerful that Jesus, why he walked on the water that night, uh, was to teach his disciples and ultimately us here tonight some incredible principles of our Christian walk and our faith. And I want to just share them with you tonight. Here we go. 
Number one, walking lessons on water. Walking on water lessons, number one. And you know, as I, I look at this first point, uh, I thought of this. Walking on water is, is it, this is the point, it's not physically possible. Did you know that? Walking on water is not physically possible. Um, Peter didn't walk on water. I just let that sink in for a moment. And you say, no, that's not the case. That's not the truth. When I look at this scripture, he did walk on water. No, he didn't. Because walking on water, walking on a, on, on, on a liquid mass is not possible. It's like walking on air. You can't walk on water. Can't do it. It's not, it doesn't sustain your weight. The truth is, Peter did walk out towards Jesus. But he didn't walk on water. The reality is, is that when he walked, what he walked on... He walked on the word that proceeded from the mouth of Christ. And the word was, what did Jesus say? Come. Now, I know you may have heard that thought before, but let's just take it a little further. The reality was Jesus was not only, did not only speak the word, but he was the word. Because it says in scripture uh, that Jesus was the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was um, with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. And it's, and, it's, and it's powerful because when Jesus walked on water, he was actually walking. I, I, I know you'll say, well, physically he was walking on water, but the reality was that's not the thing that sustained him above the surface of the water. It was the faith that he had to believe that he could walk on water because Jesus told him to come out on the water. And when God gives us a word of the truth, I mean, it's a powerful thing, his word. In actual fact, Jesus actually says in Luke 4.4, men and women cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so often I think uh, we've got to understand that uh, this Bible that we have is not just a nice little book full of ink and pages and paper. It's an incredible principle that if we would take it and not only read just the physical book, but actually discovered that in that book is not just because the, it, 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 there's a word for it. It's the Logos word. But it's more than that. It's a Rima revelational truth to us. And when we stand upon God's truths and God's words, it's a solid foundation for everything that wants to rock our world. Everything that wants to create waves and, and, and difficult times. His word is something uh, that could be such a strength to our lives. That's why this... That the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 35, Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. And then in verse 133, Direct my steps by your word, Lord. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. So as we walk in and on the words of truth, he helps us negotiate life. And as much as we think miracle, um, the, these wonderful miracles happen, then they happen, but it's because of his presence, it's because of his truth, it's because of his words. The only way that people can know healing and wholeness, the only way we could ever do the impossible is we take a hold of that revelation truth of his word and stand on it and say, this is what it says and I believe it and that settles it. But you know, we've got to stand upon his truth and walk in it. God's direction in life often starts with what he last told you from his words. His word. That's what Peter walked on that night. His word. And realizing that, uh, can bring incredible change as we stand upon his truth. See, I think I'm of the belief that when God gives, wants to give you, if you would search enough in his word, you'll find very clear revelation and truth and, and, and very much direction for our lives. Very much his direction. And uh, 
it comes to a point in life where we've just got to realize that uh, it's more than just reading it. It's, a, it's saying, Father, what would be a promises that I can stand on? And you know, you can take his promises. It says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Would you believe his word tonight? You know, it says that it, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Would you stand on his word tonight? Could you believe that tonight? You know, it says in his word that um, there's no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you stand and believe that? Can you believe that he's the God that heals us? See, it's because I think sometimes we, we lack all that God's got for us because we just read his word and that's all it is. It's just another, maybe uh, some nice thoughts. But if we would say, Father, I take a hold of that. And I don't take it as just a, as the written word, but I take it as a ream of thought, a revelation into my life. And you know what? I can walk on some of the most bumpiest. I can walk not only on, but through some of the most difficult circumstances because of your truth in my heart. It says, hey, something powerful about you in me and how we can handle this situation. Peter walked. The only thing he walked on, folks, was the command of Jesus. And it says, come. It just took one word and Peter walked on it. Here's the second thing I want to encourage us with tonight. Walking on water lessons. Number two, fear is a lot of loss of focus, not circumstance. I'll say it again. Fear is a loss of focus, not circumstances around us. You know, we sometimes think, well, I'm fearful of this circumstance or I'm fearful of this situation or I'm fearful of what's happening around me. I tell you what, if you didn't, you know, before we ever get fearful of the circumstance, we often lose our focus on that which is our source of faith. Peter had already walked some distance from the boat on water, okay? Walked on the word of God. He'd already walked some distance. And so there was an element of faith. And it's interesting as you read the scripture, his focus was on Jesus. Now, when did he lose? When did he start the fear? Or when did he start the doubt? It's when he lost focus on the source of faith and started to look at the wind and the waves around him. It wasn't a fear. Before that, he was able to negotiate the waves quite okay. When he had his focus... On that which was his source of faith, and that was Jesus. But when he was all of a sudden, be, you know, got distracted or got uh, pulled away his thoughts, and his focus started to focus on something else, he took his eyes off the source, put it on the problem, and that is when fear started to take hold. But you know what? Fear never takes hold unless you lose focus. You think about it. Anything in life, anything in life, you know. Um, Fear will never and doubt will never come if we continue to focus on the source of that which gives us strength. But when we divert our attention away from that which gives us focus and strength, and that's, you know, whether it's God's word or the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we continually then allow a whole lot of other uh, things like fear and doubt to creep into our lives. And so... Um, the reality is fear is not a lot, it's not a, the circumstances, it's a loss of focus. I have discovered that the things that I used to fear when I was a young little boy, I've got no fear today. You know why? Because um, the reality is when I was a little boy, I used, to, I used to focus on the wrong things. 
You know, I used to be scared of the dark when I was just a little boy. And you know what? It's amazing as you get older, you realize you don't focus on... Because when I was a little boy, fear of the dark was all built up in my mind about what might be there, which wasn't really ever there, but I just had this thought that there might be something there. You know, you talk to kids and they talk about, oh, there might be something under my bed. You know, ever had talked to someone, whoever had that concern about life, oh, something under my bed. And you know, there was nothing under your bed. It's because your focus was so focused on that which could have been, which wasn't. And it's when we lose focus in life and take it from the source of our, our source of our strength is that we'll start to sink into the circumstances and start to then doubt and then fear wants to take control. Um, Peter focused on Jesus he negotiated the waves quite easily. Not a problem. But when he lost focus on Jesus, that's when it all came crashing down around him. Um, he lost focus. When he saw the, the wind that was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And, you know, and then he cried out, Lord, save me. He was full of faith up to that moment. He was full of faith. Uh, and that's why Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Isn't it interesting? He didn't say, Why did you fear? He just said, Why did you doubt? Because... Peter first lost focus, which created doubt, and then fear took its place. So we've got to be aware of that. You know, I've discovered that the biggest problem in our lives is when we, while we want to give up, or we, we're fed up, or we just want to run away, or we just had enough, is when we lose, first lose focus and start to focus on the distractions of life, focus on the things of life that just want to take you completely away from the source of faith. Isn't that true? It's when you lose focus. That's the, you know, tonight, I guarantee you, that's the biggest problem we all have. Is what we see. Not just with our physical eyes, but what we have in our heart. Where our, our focus really is. It always distracts us. It, it, there's always distractions. And we've got to not give up. Not you know, fall into that temptation of being distracted and refocusing. What you've got to do is refocus on the source and keep your eyes off the problem. Um, and keep your eyes off the issue and keep your eyes off the distraction. That's the thing that wants to take us away. And Peter, uh, if only he had kept his eyes on Jesus, he could have walked all the way to Jesus. And I've got no doubt he kept his eyes on Jesus, he could have walked all the way back to the boat with him as well. In actual fact, who knows? He maybe did walk back to the boat with him because after Jesus caught him up, brought him up out of, the, out of the waves and out of the water, maybe they walked together back to the boat or maybe Jesus would have had to carry him, if that's the case. Whatever the situation, I think our biggest problem is what we give our attention and focus to. Give our attention. Here's the third thing uh, tonight about walking on water. Don't ever doubt in the midst of the storm that God doesn't love you, okay? Don't ever doubt it. Never doubt it. You can't, he, you, God could not love you any more than he does tonight. He couldn't love you any less than he does tonight. Okay, It's just a, it's just a part of his incredible compassion, love for humanity in, in his creation, which is us. Because Jesus has no... It's interesting because in this story, Jesus had no trouble stopping the wind when he wanted to stop the wind and the waves. And it, didn't, and it wasn't until they got back in the boat, if you notice, that uh, he did... Stop the wind ceased and the waves ceased. And I thought about that and I thought, uh, you know, Jesus, it would have been far easier to walk back to the boat 
uh, if he just kind of calmed all the sea and took the wind out of the situation and we could have walked back together or whatever Jesus did with Peter that get back to the boat. And, you know, often it's a thought, it's a metaphor for this, is we would be, sometimes we say to God, it'd be far easier, God, if he just took the problem away. God, it would be far easier if I would be so happy if you just deal with this and I don't have to walk through this struggle and that, God, you just made it all nice. You know, you just made the financial issue go away. You just all of a sudden, you know, put a $10,000 in my bank account. That'd be really good, God. You know, God could do that. But you know what? God, you could just, you know, you could just sort this problem out or you could just fix this relationship. Just bang, just really quick. And, and, we, and you know, next time I ring that person, we're just on great terms. And, and uh, God, if you could just make the kids sleep at night, that'd be really great. And whatever it may be, we would just love instant. And you know what? God is very capable, but I've discovered that until we feel the pressure of the storm, we don't appreciate the love of the Father. Until we sometimes, in that place, we don't realize how much we need Him. And when we do, then we we find ourselves in a much better place, even though we're in the midst of the storm. Because we've had to rely on Him. We've had to give our hearts to Him. And I just wonder if maybe God, while he doesn't bring along the problems and the storms and the wind and the waves, but I just wonder if he allows it so that we would be weaned off the things of this world and become more dependent and focused on him. Would it be, you know, is it too much to think that Jesus actually would allow us to face adverse situations in our lives for a purpose? (laughs) They're big questions, aren't they? Here's the purpose, I believe. Peter learned firsthand that in the storms, he doesn't let us go. He doesn't let us go. He's never stopped loving you. He won't stop, lo- he won't stop loving you in the storm. And if you notice, Jesus, of course, escorted Peter back to the boat. And we never know how much we have to trust him until we realize how much we need him and that we can't save ourselves. And, uh, and it's those times... We have to give up our rights, our pride, our ego. And all of those things can loom fairly large on our, on our radar sometimes, our selfishness, and say, like Peter did, cried out and said, save me, save me. And uh, God wants us to be uh, confident, and confidence comes out of knowing that in him we can trust, and our acceptance that, that, um, of him, the acceptance of that does not mean we're weak or wimps, that we need him. It's not a weak and wimpish thing. It's a real strength in our lives. And uh, Peter walked on water, and his great, greatest moment of triumph, folks, greatest moment of triumph was not the walking on water. We would think, man, that's brilliant. Peter walked however far that was on water. That's amazing. But I don't think that was the greatest triumph, that, that particular early morning episode that happened on the uh, Sea of Galilee. His greatest triumph was he cried, Lord, save me. And when you get to that point of understanding that you need a heavenly Father in your life consistently, I tell you what, that's a good day. That's a good day when we enroll his strength and enroll his Holy Spirit and ask him to come upon us. Um, and in the midst of our confusion and struggle, we, we, we put aside our ego, put aside our pride, put aside our selfishness and say, Father, I need you. That's a good day. That's a good day for all of us. And, uh, and we, I pray that from our hearts we'll always realize in the midst of the storm, that's the, the words he longs for us to hear from us. 
because he always loves us. He's never let you go. He won't let you drown if you call on him. But he hears those words. He's there in an instant, you know. Um, and I'm thankful for a God like that. So, you know, as we come and just think about this whole scenario that unfolded, would you pre- please realize tonight that uh, while walking on water is a physical impossibility, it's very possible when we walk on faith of the word of God's truth in our heart. The second thing we need to realize tonight, that fear is not a loss of, it's not because of the circumstances, it's because of a loss of focus. Refocus even tonight. I think, Father, where am I training my eyes? Where am I looking at tonight? Where, am I, where are the distractions I've got to be careful of? What are the things I just need to, to you know, wean out of my life because they don't to take me from the source of faith. And thirdly, we've just got to continually uh, realize, don't ever doubt that God doesn't love you in the storm, just because you're going through it still. Um, you know, and God, I've still got this problem. God has not left you. God does still love you. And uh, sometimes uh, we can think, well, where are you, God? Well, he's right there if you just would open your mouth and say, Father, I need you. God is close to the humble heart, I tell you. Can we, uh, can we stand tonight and... Uh, And let me just pray, hey? Father, I thank you for every heart and soul here tonight. I thank you for every precious person. It's not some coincidence that we turn up at a building and, and Father, we sit in and worship and praise and, and there's just a nice thing to do because there was nothing good on telly. But Father, there's appointed times and there's anointed moments. And I believe, Father, for your hand, Father, upon every soul. Father, as we've prayed for the sick, as we've just honoured you in through communion, as we've just, just uh, worshipped you tonight in that wonderful time of worship, and now as we hear your words... We pray that your word would become a source of strength to our lives. Holy Spirit, quicken the truth of your word in our lives. May we not just sit here tonight, walk out the door and forget, but may there be something that would be imparted that we can do and act on and be obedient to tonight from your word. Father, whether it's to lay aside those distractions that want to just take our focus from the source of faith. Father, whether it is that we need to refocus, uh, Father, tonight, whether it's we need to realize again that God's love is incredible incredibly internal and that he wants to wrap us in his arms and the only reason we don't sense it is because we've moved away from him not us from from God and so father we thank you tonight holy spirit come and just quicken your truth in Jesus name and everyone agreed said amen Amen. have a great week encourage someone tonight that'd be brilliant